Welcome to Let's Get Unraveled, a place where artists from all walks of life come to share their unabridged stories and speak openly and candidly about their creative journeys. We're so happy you're here. Hi, everybody. I'm Co Hodges, co-founder and lead instructor at Unraveled Academy. And today I have Nathan Holritz, a photographer's edit with me. I'm very excited to chat with him. He also has a lesson that will be coming out in September in the Academy called Time Matters, How to Have a Thriving Business and an Actual Life. So that's really what we're going to be chatting about today. But first, Nathan, can you please tell everybody where you're located and what work you primarily do? Sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually in Chattanooga, Tennessee. So a little kind of uh, valley town, if you will, mm-hmm. in the middle or not too far away from the Smokies in Tennessee, about two hours from Atlanta, two hours from Nashville. And um, my primary job at the moment is to help run photographers edit. I started the editing company back in 2008. And fortunately, we're still around about 11 years mm-hmm. later. So I do that. And I also host a podcast called Boca. It's a photography podcast. Awesome. Can you give our listeners a backstory on your creative endeavors and your family life? Sure. Well, I'll start with my family. I have two kids. I'm a single dad. I have two kids, Austin and Addison, who are 17 and 14 and just amazing. And I know probably most parents would say that, <laughs> but I'm I'm fascinated by the experience of being a parent. I've learned a lot. I know that I'll continue to learn and hopefully grow and even become a better parent in the process. My son's about to graduate from high school in the next year. And we're, mm-hmm. in fact, we were even just talking about college today. It's kind of crazy. Um, but I, I want to capitalize even on this, this last year with him at home. And um, so I'll continue to work at that, but they're, they're incredible. And, um, and then my, my business uh, background, I, I guess very simply, I started as a photographer, a wedding photographer primarily, back around 2001 and uh, shot as many as 30 or 40 weddings in a year and did that for over a decade. Um, And then during that time period, saw the opportunity to launch Photographer's Edit. So I started PE back in 2008. And um, initially that was kind of a side project, which then eventually turned into kind of a full-time project. And um, that's my primary focus at the moment. That's incredible. Was that opportunity part of burnout? Was it part of realizing that you needed something different, something else, another creative outlet, but also a financial one? Mm, Yeah, definitely a combination of a financial uh, outlet, if you will. I mean, I wanted to do something that was going to give me even more freedom and flexibility as a business owner. And while I had some of that as a wedding photographer, I wanted more of it and, and largely for the sake of my family. So uh, that, that was part of it. And then just as I guess you could call it an entrepreneurial mindset, I saw an opportunity in the industry as well. Uh, there was I'd been wanting to start another company and um, I saw this opportunity at the time. There were only two or three other post-production companies offering their services and I saw an opportunity not only to launch another one, um, largely because I needed a solution, but also to do so in kind of opposition, if you will, to what was already going on in that space. Mm. And you know, as, as entrepreneurs, that's I think when we start a business, it's one of the most important things is to look for a hole in whatever industry we want to go into that hasn't been filled yet and go there. And there was a really massive opportunity at the time. And so I was able to take advantage of that, fortunately. 
Yeah, I actually want to talk about that for a second because I think that's really beautiful. And I love how you say in opposition of, and can you expand upon that? Because I know a lot of people, especially within the last five to seven years, have really had uh, at least one or two bad experiences with a post-production company, whether the marketing strategies or something of that nature. Can you talk about not only what your company does, but what you saw that needed to be fixed, a problem that needed to be solved? Yeah, well, and the reality is that's changed over time. And that's another interesting lesson, which I mean, I've learned, but I'm also reminded of, which is that you may start a brand with a particular brand position, something I love to talk about, where you say, you know, this is what my brand represents in the industry, that the unique uh, value proposition that I offer to my industry. And then at some point, the industry may shift in such a way that you're like, you know what, I see these other companies around me shifting in this particular direction. Rather than follow suit, I should go the opposite direction. Mm -hmm. So again, I have an opportunity to have a relatively distinct brand position, something that's different than what most of the other companies are already offering. And we have to do that these days. I mean, as business owners, especially as photographers, I mean, there are just thousands and thousands and thousands of photographers. And if you come out and say, I'm a wedding photographer, Certainly, that's not going to make you distinct. Um, and even if you say something like, I'm a wedding photographer that likes to focus on relationships, that's no longer distinct either. You've got to really drill down and focus in on a niche market in order to make it easier for you to launch a brand and to market a brand. Um, so when we came out in 2008, at the time, the, the main solution, the, the main post-production company that was offering the service was two two things, expensive, extremely expensive. It was like six to 800 bucks to have a wedding process, which is just not feasible for most wedding photographers. And then secondly, it was complicated. It was a multi, their pricing was like a multi-page PDF and you literally had to get a calculator out to try to figure out mm. how much it would cost. So my goal was to, to launch a service that A, was much more financially feasible for a wider or a larger number of photographers. And um, I was going to do that by effectively scaling my business. And um, that's a conversation in and of itself. But then secondly, I also wanted to come up with a simple pricing structure. Uh, I'm a bit of a minimalist, in fact, very much a minimalist. And the last thing that I want is to land on a website and have to just slog through a bunch of text to figure out what they do and how it works and how much it costs. Mm -hmm. So whereas it was a multi-page PDF of pricing for this other company, we came up with simple packages. And uh, you know an upfront price point, so there was no confusion, there was no calculator, and you could just make a purchase and run with it. And um, that's how we launched. Now, since then, talk about flexing with the industry. Hmm. The industry actually shifted more in that direction of volume and cheaper, and so we shifted in the direction of custom, um, because the reality is a lot of photographers, even while we had a simpler brand and simpler packaging. We still had photographers saying, hey, can you do, we know you do this, but can you also do this thing or that thing? And they wanted more options. And um, again, this is a conversation in and of itself, how much to give to an industry and how much to maintain your position and, and uh, kind of put your foot down. But rather than fighting that, we ended up, it worked out really well that we can not only accommodate what photographers were wanting, but it also fit with what was going on in the industry while companies were figuring out you know, these simple monthly pricing options, send as many images as you want for a flat, flat fee. We said, okay, instead of following suit with everybody else, let's go this other direction. We're going to maintain a la carte pricing and we're going to focus on a custom service that is more of a premium solution instead of the cheaper route. 
So again, go see what the industry is doing, see what your competition is doing, go the opposite direction. <laughs> I love it so much. Well, it's obviously worked well for you. And I would love to touch back on how it played a part in your family's life. And would you say that within the last you know, several years, it's really enabled you to be more present for your family? Yeah, it's a great question. And, and I mean, to be transparent here, that's still an ongoing um, at challenge is probably too dramatic a word, but it's, it's, <laughs> it's certainly something that I have to be aware of or self-aware of the amount of attention that I'm giving my kids. Um, honestly, you know, I, not to, to, to go too into my personal life here, um, or <laughs> bore anybody with that, but I got married really, really young at 20 and didn't really have the opportunity to develop as an individual before doing so. So I had kids young and when my ex and I split, there was this extended period of time where honestly, I was kind of selfish in some ways. Um, I, I not only withdrew in some ways personally, but also professionally, I kind of pulled back from the industry and all, all these relationships that I had established that had largely enabled me to even launch photographers at it in the first place. I, I just kind of pulled back from, cause there was just a lot of internal work that I needed to do. Um, and I think that that, if anything, um, that kind of inward, looking and processing has it in some cases kind of gotten in the way I've allowed to get in the way of my relationship with my kids. So that's maybe one of my bigger challenges. Um, mm. I, the, the company itself gave me quite a bit of freedom almost immediately within about two to three years. I was literally, some people joke about Tim Ferriss's book, the four hour work week, but I was literally working mm -hmm. as little as about four hours a week. Um, because we spent a lot of time, there's a lot of hard work kind of putting the systems in place, getting the workflow together, uh, but because I set it up in such a way, I was fortunate enough to be able to set the company up in such a way that it was um, it was not me having to do the work 24-7. I had a team of editors that were doing the work for me and, and somebody that was helping with customer service. It freed me up. And so that was good. That was good for me personally to develop. Um, but the the caveat was probably instead of going to the extreme of only working four hours a week, I should have at least put in 10 to 15. So, you know, and we could, we could be a much bigger company now. So fast forward a number of years and, and I had the opportunity after my ex and I split to, to grow a lot personally. Um, but then to begin to also grow as an entrepreneur and I started putting more effort and more time and energy into my company and, and so now that the challenge, as we're seeing a lot of momentum from that effort, is not to get caught up in my work and let that interfere with my kids. I think I've got a pretty good balance. And one of the things that I try to do very proactively is to communicate with them um, about this very topic. So I'll say, uh, in fact, I, I just did it a little bit ago. Uh, my son was chatting with me and I had a couple of things that I was kind of had my hands in here before we started this conversation. And uh, he was chatting with me. And normally, if, if they're having a conversation with me, I don't want to be looking at my phone or at my computer, et cetera. At the time, I was multitasking. And I said, hey, look, I'm sorry. I, I know I was multitasking. I was trying to get a couple of things done here because he knew that we had this conversation coming up. So there's acknowledgement. There's, there's self-awareness. There's acknowledgement. There's communication. And then certainly a proactive effort at being present with them. And we just got back from a trip to, I took my daughter uh, to Chicago and we went and saw Hamilton and spent a little bit of time oh, there in Chicago. So cool. That was how old is she? She's fourteen. Oh, that's so rad. And then I took my son uh, just a couple weeks ago to San Francisco, 
And so we spent some time there and got to see the Redwoods and rented a motorcycle one day and rode across the Golden Gate Bridge and had some time together. So I make it a point to spend time with them um, to do at least one big trip a year. This year, we've gotten to do a couple of them. Uh, and so that I'm giving them that that focus time as well. Of course, we'll do stuff here at the house, whether it's just playing a game together. My daughter and I started to learn chess. We'll play video games. We'll watch a movie or a show, like a, a variety of things, um, kind of mix it up. But I, I definitely am highly aware of the significance of giving that time to the important people in my life, largely because of my my personal experience, my history. And, um, and so I'm, it, it's an ongoing effort. It's not a, it's not a, I don't have the end all be all solutions to this, but it's certainly an important piece of my life. Oh, I think that's badass. And, and I really think just listening to this, your head and shoulders above <laughs> many of us, I'm like, oh yeah, I should be better. But I really think that, and I hate using the word balance too much, but we are going to talk more about that, but that there is a balance to be had between letting your kids see you be busy and even stressed at times mm. because that's real life. Mm -hmm. And I have struggled with, with in my divorce and with being a single mother and a creative entrepreneur and wearing many hats and having many enterprises and yada, 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 not wanting to let them see maybe stressed or fail or cry or any of those things. So that's real life. And I have really realized recently that I'm doing them a disservice if I am this superwoman who can do it all. And I, it doesn't affect me because that's just not fair. So I think that you're doing great, number one. Um, and I know everybody wants to hear more about your balance and how how you achieve that and just different um, different things to do with your children and yourself in order to maintain self-care. And like you were saying before, and I think this is a really important part you had to do the internal work and that takes time. I recently, um, at our retreat or our unraveled retreat, got to hear Yan Palmer speak. Mm. And she was talking about how she set up a workshop, an online workshop, um, which was hands off for her so that she could make enough money so that she could literally sit and reflect and be in her dark space. And she said, so I made enough money so I could literally just sit there and do nothing because she was going through a huge change in her life and some, you know, trauma and some devastation of that, and that she just needed to freaking sit there and do nothing. And that she set it up with her, with herself financially so she could yeah. do so because doing the internal work is hard and it takes time and there is no time stamp on it. You know, I've been there. There, there isn't, you know, I'm having in some ways come through at least the, the darkest chunk of it. Um, there, there are some parts of me that realize now that I, I, I mean, call it immaturity or selfishness or whatever it might've been. Um, in some ways I, I drew it, drew the process out longer than I really actually needed to. And of course, hindsight's always 2020, or hopefully it's in most cases is 2020. Um, I, I wish, you know, we have this, this wonderful privilege, uh, in 2019, American culture anyway, to even have, I mean, the idea that we're talking about having time to just sit and do nothing and to look inward and take the time to process in and of itself is a, a massive, massive privilege. And I think oh, about like yeah. when you look at, for example, third world culture um, with people that don't have the time or the resources or otherwise to be able to do something like that, it's interesting how um, on an objective level, it forces them to to focus on what's in front of them, what's at hand, basically survival in many cases. Mm -hmm. And right. the the stress and the darkness and the depression and all of these things that we supposedly struggle or do struggle with really here in American culture where we have all of that privilege 
are not as much an issue. Now, they have their own issues because of the lack of finances or time. But I think that perspective is really important because while we've definitely grown in some ways as an American culture and we're talking about the significance of feelings and addressing those and taking the time to address those, uh, and and I, I've experienced this personally and unfortunately have learned from it, the flip side of that conversation is we may in some cases be maybe drawing that out a little longer than necessary. And mm-hmm. if we begin to focus a little bit more outwardly in some cases and focus on, for example, learning to, to take care of and serve others, that that outward focus in some cases will help us with the healing process. And in some cases, minimize the amount of time it takes to heal. Um, and it's a loaded topic, I realize, but it's... it's <laughs> no, it's cool. It's, We're all about that Well, here. it's something I've just been thinking <laughs> a lot about because there, there are parts of me, I'm, I'm almost 40, I'll be 40 um, here in the next couple of months. And, and I'm like, oh man, this, this process, this whole process, I really drew it out longer than I needed to. And um, there is some benefit to that personal discovery and, and just learning about life and ultimately who we want to be. A lot of people talk about um, finding who they are. And I think in a lot of ways, it's kind of a misnomer because the reality is we can choose to be what we want to be. And so the question is, what do we want to be? And deciding that may take a little bit of time. But once we make that decision, it's interesting how when we put that focus and energy and attention to that, things in some ways seem to just kind of move for us. And um, I wonder if I couldn't have moved a little bit more quickly and and given more to my kids as a result, uh, for example, or done more for my business or maybe progressed further in my my other personal relationships had I had a little bit more uh, or I just moved a little bit more quickly, um, learned some of the psychological principles necessary to be able to kind of move forward with my life. So um, that's a little bit of hindsight thinking on my part, but um, that's some of what I've gone through. No, I think that that's fantastic. And I, I, I love bringing this back into the reality of the concept of survival. And when you're in survival mode, you have to do X, Y, or Z, you know, based off the hierarchy of your needs. Yeah. Um, and we absolutely do live in a tremendous amount of privilege, which we should not shy away from. You know what it reminds me of? Okay. Have you seen the movie uh, Machine Gun Preacher with Gerard Butler? Did you ever see that movie? I saw at least part of it. I don't think I saw the whole thing. Oh, it's so good. It makes me cry. I can't watch movies like that anymore. Now I have kids. It makes me cry. But basically, he goes over to Africa. He's helping these people in like really dire circumstances. Yeah. And he comes back to his own children and they're whining about normal American stuff. And he's really pissed yeah. about it. Right. And, but it's really interesting that concept. Like he's super hard on his kids. He's like, you have no fucking idea yep. what these other children are living in. Right. And I do think that there's a space for for both things to be conscious of the unaware <laughs> of the privilege and then also to to educate and to make sure that we ourselves you know are in keeping with with understanding of our privilege uh, so i think that was a really interesting thing to talk about and thank you for bringing that sure up. yeah <laughs> nothing is off limits here we like to talk about all the uncomfortable oh let's do it um, where else should we go <laughs> all right, anywhere you want um Let's talk a little bit more about balancing your daily life as far as um, creative entrepreneur, as far as a business owner, and as a family man. Um, there's obviously not enough seconds in the day. And I can totally attest to this. It flies by. Um, and how you're doing this, how you're doing it on a daily basis. Yeah. Well, in some ways, there doesn't seem like enough seconds. And then in other ways, I think... Um, that can almost, if I can play hardball just a little bit, that can almost feel like a, or almost be a cop-out because I think a lot Mm -hmm. of, a lot of photographers, um, especially wedding photographers, and I shot weddings for, I mentioned earlier, a little over 10 years. So I know what the workflow looks like. 
I would venture that most full-time wedding photographers um, could work as little as 20 hours a week, even 15 hours a week. Um, and they could do that taking advantage of some of the tools. Well, first of all, principles. I, I really, I think it's so important to start with principles, a philosophy that drives what you do. Um, and when you ask about how I approach my workflow, it starts with kind of an overarching, kind of a big picture. I refer to it as a big picture view. And this is something that I learned uh, uh, from, from a book quite some time ago, this idea. But when you have an, a bigger picture view, like a 30,000 foot view of what you want out of your personal life, and you set those goals, then those goals should drive the business model that you create or business models that you create. And then that business model, of course, determines the clients that you are reaching for. And then the, that target market decides that and the business model combined decide how you spend your time on a daily basis. And I would venture that a lot of photographers could save 10, 15, 20 hours a week if they established those ideas in their life first, because it naturally filters out all the other BS that you don't need to be wasting your time on. Um, and, and by the way, to be extremely clear, I, I'm still guilty of wasting time in one form or another. Like, I, let's, let's not like make it look all pretty and, and unicorns and rainbows here. Like it's, it, but, but right. these, these principles and ideas continue to become more and more real as I do practice them and I see how they affect my company or companies and my time with my kids and, and other people in my life. Um, it's this, this is really, really powerful idea. As long as you're clear about where you're going that helps you filter out and that's personally and professionally. And those really do, um, th those are not one in the same thing necessarily, but they are certainly highly related. Um, and I don't think separating them makes a whole lot of sense. So if you know where you want to go personally, what you're trying to achieve, that should determine the type of business you're creating, which should determine your target client, which should then determine literally how you spend your time on a day-to-day -day basis. And, um, and then uh, developing that self-awareness that we talked about earlier enables you also to, de to determine what that workflow looks like to get those things done on a day-to-day -day basis. We know like we each kind of have certain tendencies, strengths, weaknesses. Um, I personally love a, not a super early start. Some people talk about getting like five o'clock in the morning. Um, I'm not, I'm not that guy. Uh, I, I'd love mm -hmm. to have a good seven, eight hours of sleep and, and wake up say around seven o'clock, six to seven o'clock and get a good workout in to, to get my day kickstarted. And then I want to spend my time on, on things that are going to, I, I would call them proactive in nature, things that are going to drive my business forward um, and drive me forward. So awareness of industry news, a bit of reading, review of my values. So kind of being in the right headspace personally and professionally, and then diving into ideally two or three things in the morning that are significant to the growth or the forward movement of my business. And then the rest of the day I can, you know, I can allocate to, to email or social media or this kind of thing. Um, but where I'm going to see the biggest benefit is focusing most of my time initially on those things that make a big difference in my business. They actually enable me to grow, to get more clients um, that are going to drive me forward on a bigger picture level. And that way, let's say I work half a day. Um, you know, my kids get home from school if it's during the school year, or I want to just go do something. I want to go out and ride my motorcycle, whatever it is. I know that I've gotten something done significantly that day that has driven my business forward. And, you know, that guilt of, oh, I need to be in front of my computer. That doesn't really have to exist because I've gotten stuff done. 
Um, so th- I think that's a great starting place. We can get into all of this in more detail, but I think that's a great starting place. Establish that big picture view because that literally can drive everything you do, filter out the unnecessary BS. Yeah, no, I love that. Can we shift gears for just a quick second and talk about people who have small kids, people who are still wiping asses? Yeah, yeah. That way. Like I'm just now, well, no, I'm still wiping asses. (laughs) That's sad. I need to teach him to wipe his own ass. But I, you know, you were on a meeting with me the other day when we first met and I was like, had my kids at home, childcare went awry, you know, as it can. And I was like, you know, this is my life. I'm super sorry. You were so gracious about it. It is life. It's not a big deal. It is life. It's life on summer break. I have kids that are in school. I do have kids in full-time school. I'm very blessed. I built my business when my children were babies and were not in school. I I didn't have that, I'll say, luxury that I have now. It's life-changing. Let's talk about people who have kids at home. That's a pretty common question I get asked. How the hell to manage all of it when your kids are around your ankles? Hmm. Wow. And this is a loaded topic because it is in some (laughs) ways subjective, right? So I would still... I I would still go back, first of all, to that big picture view. And I don't want to come across overly philosophical because there's, there's so many different moving parts here, but if, unless you're very clear about what it is you're trying to accomplish, then what you feel like you need to, or not even feel like what you actually need to spend time on, on a day-to-day basis, um, can be affected significantly by that in one way or another. What, what I mean by that is if a photographer feels like they have to do, you know, work 40, 50, 60 hours a week in order to run their business, mm. the reality is they're probably, they probably have their hands in a bunch of stuff that isn't necessary for the sake of their business. And if they establish that, that kind of big picture view first, they can get rid of um, what I would refer to as reactive work. So you have proactive work, reactive work. The proactive work, and, and by the way, you're going to have to take some time to sit down and, and think through this when your kid's asleep or late at night or whatever it might be. Um, I, right. I understand the significance of that. My kids are now 17 and 14, but they were also young at one point, so I get it. Uh, but sitting down, figuring out, okay, this is where I want to go personally, professionally. This is the business model. Okay, now based on that, these are the things that I need to get done on a day-to-day basis. And then I'm going to break those down further, literally make a list of your, your whole day and break it down into proactive and reactive tasks. So proactive tasks are things that enable me to reach my personal goals or to move my business forward if you're looking on the professional side. Reactive tasks are busy work that have to get done, but they don't, in most cases, require my involvement. And they likely aren't directly related to driving my business forward. They have to be done, sure, in order for my business to exist, but I don't have to be involved in them. So I, I break my day down into literally everything from the time I get up to the time I go to bed into that list of proactive versus reactive. And then the goal is to get rid of as much of the reactive work as possible so that you can focus on the stuff that actually drives your business forward. When you do that, it, you, I think a lot of photographers would be surprised to see how much of their day gets freed up because a lot of what mm-hmm. they're spending time on, they may feel kind of compelled to do it but it doesn't actually, their business doesn't actually require it, or it certainly doesn't require them to be involved in whatever that thing is. So if you, you could literally Google every single thing on that reactive list, the list of reactive tasks. And again, thanks to being in 2019 culture, you can, you're likely going to either find a piece of software or a service, a third-party service that will do that thing for you. I mean, literally from mm-hmm. you know, cleaning your house to designing an album, to editing your images, to doing your accounting, to handling email, 
um, you can pretty much find a service or a piece of software that will either help you simplify, automate, or delegate that work. So I would actually recommend starting at that place. And again, I realize this, gonna, this may take an hour, two or three to sit down and to, to list this stuff out, to figure this stuff out. Um, but once you do that, a lot of photographers with kids at home are maybe surprised at the amount that they're able to kind of take off their plate. And they're going to be that much freer to begin with. Now we can talk about, okay, how do we manage? Now I have 15 hours of work a week and I have a little one who has this nap schedule and, mm-hmm. um, and goes to bed at this particular time of day within this, these segments of time and this amount of time each week, I need to get these tasks done. And I think it's extremely, and, and we can go deeper than that if you'd like to, but on a, on a basic philosophical and, and workflow level, that philosophical approach and then the actual application of, okay, now with this list of proactive things, I can get them done in these segments of time when my kid's not you know, crawling around my ankles or yelling my name hmm. over and over again from the bathroom. Um, I can get these things done. <laughs> right. And, and it's... <laughs> For yeah. Sure. And, and I realize that that's very big picture. I'm glad to go deeper in that if, if you want to, but that's, that is, I think the kind of bigger picture solution to that challenge. Yeah. No, I love it. And we're going to dive deep into that in your, in your coursework. I love it. Lighten the load, cut the shit. This is important. And I, I feel this for myself because I'll have my time and I, I do call it dedicated office hours or something that took me a while to one, realize that I needed to feel like I deserved it. And I did probably three years of uh, building my local business and building a nonprofit and then the very beginning of building Unraveled where I allowed myself to have the crazy shit show of a day where I would answer an email, I would get a juice box, I would edit an image, I would go wipe an ass and it was back and forth and back and forth. I never felt like I spent enough time with anybody or anything and I never got very much done. And so I really feel like, no, that's, it's genius. It's so simplistic, but it's genius. Really write down everything and cut the shit legitimately because it's so easy to sit down at your computer and, oh, so-and-so messaged me. I'm just going to check that real quick. And then it sends you down a rabbit hole of like, oh, she said she sent me an email and I didn't see it yet. Oh, I'm a horrible business person. Let me check my email real quick. Oh, shit. I forgot I needed to deliver this gallery yesterday. Damn, I got to do that. And down the rabbit hole you go. So I think it's also, like you're saying, the mental space, the mental wherewithal of, of honing in on what you actually need to do to propel your business forward and focus on that every day. I think. That's and you mentioned fantastic. the word focus, and and I mean it's really important here. And, and again, I say this from personal experience. So I'm I'm not trying to put myself on a pedestal. The the hmm. idea of focused work is also something that I think a lot of photographers aren't doing. I, the number of times that I've seen on Facebook somebody saying, "Hey, I'm I'm watching. You know, what what Netflix shows shall I watch while I edit?" Um, it's a common practice, and it's just one example. But that that distracted work means you're taking way, way, way longer to get whatever the thing is that you're doing done. And that is drawing out your work week. That is complicating trying to get work done while you've got kids. So if you know, if you've whittled down your, your workflow to focusing on, let's say at least 75% of your time is focused on those proactive tasks that we were talking about. And then when you do go and have those segments of time allocated to work where your kids aren't around, you actually give it focus. 
and attention, you can get it done so much more quickly. And then, you know, it's important to, we, we talked about the significance of delegating, but a lot of that is just surrounding yourself with the right people, whether it's delegating for the sake of childcare or delegating, having your house clean mm-hmm. or delegating editing or delegating album designer, the list goes on, but surround yourself with the right people. One of the things that helped uh, myself and my ex a lot when when our kids were younger and we were shooting and trying to run a business, um, we had this, this wonderful, wonderful lady who's actually actually coming to pick my kids up this evening and taking them to go see a movie just because <laughs> you know she wants to. Her name is Kathy, um, and and Kathy is like family to us, and and just gave wonderful attention to our kids. My son probably spent the most time with her. Um, you know, on weekends, for example, when we were shooting weddings, but having a person or ideally two or three people or families that, that can also help out with your kids that you can trust, um, is it's really, really important. And again, this, this could go so many different directions, especially on the philosophy of parenting, but I think it's actually really healthy for our kids not to be brought up in such a way that they can only function with us. Um, my kids learned what it meant to be at other people's homes from a very young age. That was just a normal thing. And that's given them a certain amount of flexibility in the way that they go with the flow in life that I think is really, really healthy for kids. In fact, that was the way that I brought up too. I I grew up traveling and staying in other people's homes and staying all these different places so much. And I think it really helps in the development of our kids. But it also, back to parenting as a photographer, it also freed us up to be able to get the job done. And then the cool thing we would do, actually, we'd, we'd shoot a wedding on Saturday, uh, maybe Sunday. And before the kids were in school, we'd Monday is we called it fun Monday. And the kids knew mm-hmm. fun Monday, computers get shut down and it's family time. We'd go to the children's museum and go to the aquarium, go to the park and you know, go out to eat. But fun Monday was, was like their day. And um, when they went to school, that it was fun Sunday. But they they knew that was coming too, and that created some accountability for dedicated time toward them. I love that so much. Okay, question for you. What are your time wasters? What do you find yourself wasting time on that you're like, ugh, I can't believe I just wasted time on that? <laughs> you know, I'm guilty as anybody with social media. <laughs> uh, that's, that's still, and the funny thing is I don't spend a ton of time on Facebook. I'll check Facebook these days just to see if there are notifications. Um, cause I don't, I don't have notifications streaming on the lock screen in my phone. I don't want that distraction. So I'll check yeah. Facebook for notifications. I get carried away in Instagram because I'm a motorcycle fanatic and it's, it's my kind of <laughs> distraction. It's my one hobby. And so I'll jump in and look at, at motorcycles, um, or I guess in addition to that, YouTube, I, I love watching videos about cars or motorcycles racing on YouTube. Those are my two big distractions. And um, I, I need to do a little bit better job managing that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's, it's all right. I needed to humanize you for a minute because everyone's like, this guy. Oh, not so at all. Perfect. My goodness. No, I, that is that is my big distraction. But you know, the other thing, I have to comment on this because it's, it's ironic, um, but I, I want to be transparent too. We talk about the significance of surrounding ourselves with good people. That certainly applies to our personal life, especially with helping, getting help watching our kids, whether it's family or friends. Um, mm-hmm. But the delegation portion of the conversation when it comes to our business, the ridiculous irony about this conversation is that it really wasn't until... I mean, honestly, more specifically, the last eight months or so where I've really actually applied this more so in my business than I ever have at Photographer's Edit. I'm so, so lucky to have the team that I do. 
Um, but there was a lot that I was kind of holding on to. And, and uh, there's a variety of reasons behind that. But at the end of the day, no excuse. I still wasn't doing as good a job delegating as I could have been. And within the last mm-hmm. eight months or so, I've begun to let go even more. And what that has done to free me up as a business owner to be able to think big picture and creatively and actually run a business versus kind of being stuck in a business um, it's just, it's been a massive, massive change. Not only that, it's now freeing me up to get ready to launch a new company here soon. We haven't really talked a whole lot about it yet, but oh, wow. that's coming here in the next month or so. It's going to give me the ability to be able to do that as well, because I know that I can, I can delegate to my team. My team is just working their ass off to, to get stuff done for the sake of photographers edit. But not only that, they, they take it personally. They're treating our customers incredibly. Um, and, and it, Treating, I don't know, almost like treating the company as though they have ownership in it. In some cases, it's it's really a beautiful thing, and I'm so lucky for that. Uh, but learning to to just let go and set ego aside, you know, this idea that there's only kind of one way to do something. It man, it can free our lives up as business owners so 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 much. So I can't encourage um, your listeners enough to figure out a way that you can let go because my God, it's it, it'll really free up your life mentally, emotionally, and and physically. I love that so much. Can we talk for one second about (laughs) how hard it can be to find people that are on your same wavelength? I feel like this will be, this is a juicy little topic here. Yes. Delegating is huge. We're all control freaks. Um, I know I am with, with our business, with my work. Um, it took me a long time to really learn how to relinquish certain things and then realize that bringing other people in they had different ideas. They could spark interest in different capacities that I, I didn't even see. Um, I think it's beautiful. However, there's another side of that where, you know, the saying, you know, it's really hard to find good help. Have you experienced any of that where maybe somebody that you brought onto your team or maybe something that you had delegated, it didn't get done the way you wanted to, or somebody just wasn't in line or didn't understand your initial concept or framework? I have, but um, I I tend to, I have a tendency, I guess, in in many cases of looking at what I might be doing wrong in that case, because I think we have a real struggle with communication in our culture. Um, And Boom. Yeah. I love it. So this, and this is true on a personal level. I, it's frustrated me for the longest time and I'm such a nerd, I realize. But like when you talk about romantic relationships, for a great example, um, the amount of conflict that is caused as a result of us saying one thing and actually meaning another is just mind boggling, right? Um, this unfortunately carries over in one form or another to the way that we at least attempt to delegate. And in many cases, and we've seen this, I mean, I've seen this from different angles because I've been guilty of not communicating well. I've interacted with clients who have not communicated well and yet expected me to just kind of read their mind and get something done and do it exactly like they wanted to, but they're not willing to take the time to communicate or they don't know how to communicate effectively. Um, So I've seen different sides of this. And of course, this also plays out in my relationship with my employees. Um, I think of, of Haley, actually, who runs our digital marketing. And we've worked together now for, I want to say, about two years or close to two years. And uh, I'm so lucky to have her on the team. And one of the things that has been um, just an ongoing, I guess, learning opportunity, it sounds a little cliche, but honestly, it really has been a good learning opportunity for me to learn how to effectively communicate what it is that I'm looking for. 
um, to Haley for the sake of our marketing efforts has been um, an interesting learning experience for me because the reality is we can say one thing and in our mind, mm-hmm. um, at least for me, I, I tend to communicate pretty literally. So in my mind, I mean one thing and the person on the other side of the conversation, this could be a client, this could be a family member, it could be a friend, it could be a, a company that you're delegating to. They take it another way because of their life history, because of their perspective, their experience, um, because of the way that they define a particular word or series of words. And so it, it can become a really big convoluted mess. Um, so I think this conversation about f- finding the right person, um, I, I think if we can find somebody who is trustworthy and is willing to learn and to put the work in, I think those characteristics are a little bit more important in many cases than find somebody that is, quote, on our wavelength. Because the reality is even saying something like, you know, I need to find something that's on my wavelength suggests that I'm I'm up here, I'm this thing, and they're not as good as me, or they're not. And and so I think setting that aside a little bit and and saying, okay, we're human beings, we look at things differently, we think differently, our perspective is different. I mean, our, literally, our eyes may be seeing color differently. How how can we approach this conversation in a way that we can both get on the same page or on a similar page? And then understand, be able to trust ultimately that we're working toward the same thing. And that's that's the big thing. When I talk about how incredible my team is, it's not that they do everything exactly the way that I quote want them to do, but the the feeling of being on the same team, working toward the same thing, um, that in my mind carries way more weight and significance. And then we can work through the rest. Uh, but setting you aside, learning how to communicate more effectively, very simply, I think that's where the conversation has to start. Oh, that was so awesome. And I love how you relate it back to like romantic relationships. I've been in so much therapy with my ex-husband. It's bonkers. But I will tell you that learning how to communicate was pretty much all you do yeah, in couples yeah. therapy, right? But it can be applicable to every relationship yes, 100%. in your life. Like. It's been amazing. I, I was actually making fun of myself earlier with my business partner, Sarah, saying that I therapist the shit out of our relationship. <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, which is true, but I really feel that us learning about each other, again, not saying, well, we have to be on the same wavelength or fully understand each other all the time, but work towards an understanding and better communication. And I love this one thing. We I took... Um, I took my ex-husband on this incredibly expensive couples retreat. It was super cool. But the biggest thing I learned was this guy who was there. His name was Dr. Denny. Dr. Denny had a rat tail that was crooked. And at first I was like, what is happening? Why did I spend all this money? My last of my savings to go to this retreat, right? But Dr. Denny said, all right, let's cut the shit. Relationships mean one thing. I nurture you. You nurture me. And that was it. And I've never forgotten that because I really think that that applies across all relationships, whether it's your child, whether it's your partner, your spouse, a friend, we're nurturing each other and finding out how we can do that the best way possible. I think it's so simple and it's so, so eloquent. It it is. It's such a simple idea. It's, and it requires, you know, I, I know that I've dealt with a lot of insecurities and I'm sure a lot of people can relate one form or another. We have some type of insecurity. And of course that carries over to how much we're able to, to trust or willing to trust somebody in a, in a relationship, for example. And, um, if, if we're willing to kind of set those aside or learn to set those aside, learn where you know, those are our, 
kind of shortcomings in one form or another. It's, it's a behavioral pattern that we've learned over time because of this experience or that experience and learn to set those aside a little bit and learn to trust. Um, yeah, sure. In some cases we may get hurt, but trust that the other person has kind of our, our best interests as hard as cliche as that may sound. Um, and then focus on no, giving to the beautiful. relationship that it really does make a difference. And I've, I've been lucky enough to be in a relationship for some time now uh, with a wonderful girl who, it, it, and in this relationship, I've had the opportunity to experience that, to see that, uh, particularly from her. But it's it, a lot of it has come from a place of being able to trust. Um, it makes a big, big difference. So um, I, I understand. I've been hurt. We've all been burned in one form or another in, in one type of relationship or another. But if in any way possible, we can approach a relationship, whether personal or professional, set aside those insecurities, at least initially, um, and trust that the other person has, for the most part anyway, our best interests at heart or the best interest of the relationship or our business at heart and let go a little bit and just focus on how can I help you? Um, even if it comes to a relationship, like, you know, you're going to delegate, let's say album design, for example, to somebody else, how can I help you help me? Um, that, that is a really, I think great way to approach the relationship because now we're actually working together. It's not my ego versus your ego and I right and you're wrong, but we're actually working together towards something. It makes all the difference in the world. Oh, putting the ego in check. That's hard to do, but it's so great. So great. Um, I love that. You're amazing. Thank you so much for being here. And I really, really look forward to the content you're going to create a deeper dive into these concepts and how to really help um, the larger photographer population balance their lives. Um, seriously, Nathan. Oh thank no, you so it was I, really, I truly count it a privilege. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for tuning in. It means so much to us that you're here and we hope you walk away feeling inspired as hell. If you're not already a student in Unraveled Academy, go to www.theunraveledacademy.com. You can also access the link below. Come join us. We have a seat waiting with your name on it.